0: Well, good morning, Community of Hope. Uh, for those who are streaming online, we're so glad that you are here with us this morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Brandon Weaver, and I'm the Lake Worth Campus Pastor here at Community of Hope. Well, thank you. Don't cheer yet, it's my first sermon, okay? And uh, just so excited to be here. Uh, Haley and I have just moved back from Kentucky a few weeks ago and uh, just so excited to be with you. We were kind of reminiscing, uh, thinking about um, when we met at Royal Palm Beach High School and just how much this church has meant to us. Uh, The place where we uh, fell in love with Jesus, where we were discipled and poured into. And so now to have the privilege to come back and to serve you is uh, just one of those moments. It's it's still sinking in, and it's it's really truly a pleasure to be here with you. And uh, Pastor Dale is out of town on vacation, as you know. And Pastor Trevor this past week was out of town with his family, so they called in the big guns. And um, <laughs> I'm sure I'll hear about that later. And um, some of you have just been very encouraging, and thank you for your kind words. And you've been asking, you know, is it kind of weird working with your father in law? You know, is there some tension? You know, do you feel awkward? Yeah, I do. Uh, to answer your question, you know, it's there. Um, but he's wonderful, and the opportunity is uh, one we're just so grateful to have. And uh, we're picking up in the series that we began last week. Jessica Stafford kicked us off, and it is titled Speak, Lord. And if you haven't heard her sermon, I would go and check it out on our YouTube page. It's absolutely wonderful. But uh, our theme verse for our, ser- uh, our sermon series this week uh, is 1 Samuel three nine, and we're going to read it together. It'll be on the screen. Ready? Go. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And last week, what Jessica went through was 1 Samuel, and she showed us that the Lord is actively speaking to us, that the Lord goes first, as Pastor Trevor said this morning, that he is seeking a relationship with us, even in the most unlikely of people and the most unlikely of times. And she looked at how, in her own personal life, what does it look like for her to hear the voice of God? And she showed us a picture where every morning she does the Word of God speak plan, and that is the primary way in which God is is speaking to her. And I thought it was absolutely wonderful that God is speaking to us. We can recognize His voice, and we can learn to remember that voice in our life. If you have your Bible or Bible app, go ahead, open it up. Uh, If you have our COH app, we're going to dive right in. Uh, For this sermon series, what we've been doing as a preaching team is we've been looking at the Word of God Speak app. Uh, You can find it on the YouVersion app, find it on our website, and we've just been reading this week's reading, and we've just simply asked God, what is it that you want our people to know? What do you want us to know? uh, Lord, speak. And so that's how we got to Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 14 this morning, and this is what it says. in our time of need. Would you pray with me? God, I am grateful that you are seeking a relationship with us, that you have provided a way through your son, Jesus. God, would you speak to us? Your servants are listening. Amen. Whenever I begin reading a new book in the Bible, whether it be for the first time or the hundredth time, I always like to understand the context of the book that I am reading. And there's a wonderful free resource. It's called The Bible Project. It's an online resource. Yeah, I heard someone say, yeah. And um, it's absolutely great. They encapsulate every book of the Bible, all 66, in a really artistic and creative way. And it just helps you understand what, who's the writer, who's the audience they're writing to. And so I'm going to give you a little context of the book of Hebrews. So for the author, we're actually unsure of who the author is of the book of Hebrews, Uh, We think it could be a few people. What we do know is they had a direct relationship with the disciples, and so they had some firsthand accounts they're writing from. Uh, We know the audience is most likely a Jewish audience they're writing to who has come into Christianity and they're struggling. Uh, They're being persecuted for their faith. They're being put in jail, we read in chapters 1 through 3. And so in chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews is trying to remind them of God's past faithfulness. He's reminding them that how God has been working in their life in the past to hold to the faith, to give them hope for the future. And if you've been reading scripture for a while, so much of it is about memory. It's about remembering what God has done. And I don't know about you, but I have a terrible memory. You can ask Kaylee later. It is absolutely terrible. I go in the garage. I forget what I'm doing. I come back in. She tells me what I was looking for, right? Like (laughs) bad memory. And all throughout scripture, we, we're, we're told, therefore, remember when. Remember when you were in Israel. Remember when you were in captivity. It's all this remembering, so that way we don't lose our way, so we don't stray. Because my natural disposition, maybe like you, is to, is to drift in my relationships. If now I'm not intentional, if I don't set time aside, it just doesn't happen. And it kind of reminded me, when I was a young boy, I grew up in Royal Palm Beach, and so I love the water. I loved the beach, and my mother was an elementary school teacher, and so she had summers off. So it was like beach time all summer. And we would go with different families in the church. One of them was the Grunders, and, and uh, Phil was one of the sons, and he was like the cool skater, surfer, and I was like the awkward, pimple-ridden, awkward <laughs> middle school kid, you know? And so I'm pretty sure Mrs. Grunder made him be friends with me, but that's fine. <laughs> and... Um, so he's trying to teach me to surf, and uh, so I was learning to surf through his gracious uh, tutelage. And um, so we're at the beach, and Mrs. Grunder had one of these, like, look at me, and we're having one of these moments. And she said, there's a current. You're not going to feel it. You'll drift, so make sure you keep your eyes on the shore. And she was very stern, and yes, ma'am, not a problem, but, you know, 13, 14 goes out one ear, you know, and in the other. It's just it's gone. And so we're surfing. We're having a great time, and, and I look up, and I realize, oh. I don't see Miss Grunder. Like, where are we? Like, we are lost. And I call over to Phil, and he goes, oh, yeah, we are so in trouble. And so we swim to the shoreline, and sure enough, we see Miss Grunder pulling her car up, and she just looks like a volcano that's about to explode. And she lays into us, and so we try to get back in the car, and she goes, no, you're walking back. Turns the car around, drives back. We had to walk a mile. We had drifted a mile during this time. I mean, we had no idea where we were going unbeknownst to us. And so when we got back, it's kind of interesting because it reminded me in our relationship with God and with others, we can just drift. Where we can wake up one day and go, how did we get here? How is our relationship this way? How is my relationship with my kids this way? How's my relationship with God? And, And we just go throughout life, and if we're not intentional, man, we just, our natural disposition is to drift. And so the writer of Hebrews is encouraging them to hold fast to what God has done, to remember his past goodness so that we can have hope for the future. It's this idea that faith should be something that is fresh, something that is new, not something that is inherited. And a lot of times when I'm talking to people, especially if I'm flying or traveling, and they ask, you know, hey, what do you do? And I say, oh, I'm a pastor. And they go, one of two things, Uh, okay? And they kind of turn their back and they keep walking, you know? Or they just unload, you know? And we just have like this confessional session moment, like in the airplane. And it's so interesting because a lot of the times when we have these moments, they talk about their faith in past tense. Something I believed in when. And the writer of Hebrews is saying that will no longer work. That our, fresh, our faith needs to be something that is fresh and something that is new, that is ever-present, that we are to be intentional with. And so the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us this morning. And I love how he uses this language, and it's kind of unfamiliar, so I'm going to explain it to give us some context. He talks about a great high priest. And so in the day of Israel at that time, they worshipped in this tabernacle, they worshipped in this place. Here's a picture, this is kind of a rendering of historically what we think that would look like. And the high priest's job, his role, would be to be the mediator between God and his people. He would offer sacrifices for his sins, for the sins of the nations. That that was his job. He was the in-between between between God and his people. And one day out of the year, it was called the Day of Atonement, where the high priest would go into this place called the Holy of Holies. This is where the presence of God would reside. And uh, you can see it in that picture. It's the back far left behind the curtain, that's where it was thought to be. And on this day, he would do all these cleansing rituals, he'd be made right, he'd make a sacrifice, and he would go into the Holy of Holies, and he would take the sacrifice of blood, and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat, asking God for mercy for the past year of their sins. And if he came out alive, which didn't always happen, think about that, that meant their sins were forgiven for another year. I mean, they would tie a rope around the great high priest, because if he fell dead, they would have to drag him out. Okay? This is not a job everyone would have wanted, but this was the way in which God had provided for them to be in connection. And so when the writer of Hebrews is saying, we have a great high priest who is Jesus Christ, someone who is better, how is he better? How is he a better mediator for you and me? How can we connect to God better because of Jesus? And one of the ways that we can connect with God because he is a better high priest is because he's experienced our humanity He has experienced our humanity. We believe that God was fully man and fully divine, that he has walked in our shoes. He has been where we have been. Scripture says he has been tempted in every way except he did not sin. And I love uh, C.S. Lewis. He's a wonderful writer. And in this book, Mere Christianity, he kind of tackles this question of how can God truly know what it means to be tempted in every way that we are tempted and yet have not sinned? Does he really know what that struggle is like? And C.S. Lewis answers this question in, I think, a beautiful way. And this is what he says. A silly idea is that good people do not know what temptation means. This is an obvious lie. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. After all, you find out the strength of the German army by fighting against it, not by giving in. You find out the strength of a wind by trying to walk against it, not by lying down. A man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. We never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside us until we try and fight it. And Christ, because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is also the only man who knows to the full what temptation means. In other words, Jesus has been in our shoes And because he was able to withstand that temptation, he is able to walk alongside us and be a better high priest. He has been in our shoes. He has experienced our humanity. He knows what it is to be lonely. He knows what it is to be without a father. He knows what it is to be without a nation, to be on the run, to be a minority and a majority where they are persecuting him. Jesus knows what it is to be single. He has experienced our humanity. And he has made a way for you and I to connect to him. It reminded me recently when I was studying for this sermon of a documentary I've watched, and maybe you have seen it. Uh, It's entitled Free Solo, and it's about this famous rock climber who decided he was going to try and tackle one of the hardest feats in rock climbing. And it's a a mountain face that's 3,000 feet, sheer granite rock face out in California called El Cap. And he decided he was going to be the first to climb it in a method called Free Solo. Now, what that means if you're not a rock climber, that means he's going to climb this rock face without a rope, without a harness, and with no safety net whatsoever. So he's going to try to climb this without any sort of safety mechanism, okay? Someone say that's awesome. I would say that's insane, (laughs) but he was going to attempt it. And uh, here's a picture. Um, He had been studying this kind of route up this sheer granite rock face. He'd studied for over a year, going over it meticulously, Where his hand was going to be placed, where he was going to place his feet. It took him years of study. For some reason, he was a man on a mission about this. And so one day he decided he was going to start tackling. Here's a picture of him undergoing this feat. If that doesn't make you sweat, I don't know what will, okay? No harness, no rope, unbelievable. And spoiler alert, he does it. He finishes, he doesn't fall to his death. Praise the Lord. But what's so amazing about this is he finished it in under four hours, three hours and 56 minutes. The average time for a team of climbers working together takes four to six days to accomplish this. I mean, he is just an athletic freak of nature. It is unbelievable. And so when I saw this, I thought I should pick up rock climbing like any same human being. And we were up in Kentucky and it's a popular sport. And if Alex can do it, why can't I? Right? And uh, I had a really good friend, Chad who who is a worship leader here at Community of Hope. He's up there getting his PhD because he's an overachiever. And <laughs> we decided we were going to do this together. And so we started to learn. We'd go to these climbing gyms, and you normally climb in pairs. You know, someone is holding the rope as you're going up. They take the slack, right? You never take your hands off the rope. We're learning these hand signals and all these different holds and all that sort of jazz. And uh, then we went out to this place called uh, Red River Gorge, and... Uh, I had Chad go first because I'm the smart one in the group. And uh, here's a picture of him. He's uh, doing what's called bouldering, which is no ropes, all that. But there's a mat down beneath. You can't see it, but he wanted the action pic. You know how it is. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, he scaled up, scaled down. And I said, no, thank you. And we kept hiking. And um, but what I kind of learned through this, this process, I feel like what the Lord was laying this on my heart for this sermon is that you and I are going throughout life and we're, we're trying to find a route. We're all kind of climbing this mountain that that is life. And we can be like Alex, and we can try and do it free solo, and we can try and do it on our own will and strength and wisdom. Or we can give the equipment, the the safety equipment, if you will, that God has given us. And one of the things that you do in climbing that we learned is you place anchors as you go on your journey. And an anchor kind of looks like this. It's a piece of metal, usually looped with a cable. And as you're going, you find any kind of rock or crevice, and you just put it in there, and you hope that holds you. So as you're climbing, you're, you're putting your rope through each of these angers, so you fall five feet, ten feet, not a hundred feet. And one of the things I love about Scripture, it's when we're going throughout life, it is the anchor in which we can place. When we're unsure of how do we handle our finances as a Christian, the Lord gives us an anchor. I mean, how do we have a Christian marriage where we love our spouse like the Lord loves the church? He, he gives us an anchor. How do we have a good relationship with our children? Scripture gives us an anchor. And this is how Jesus is a better high priest because he has already done the route for us. And he has laid the anchors in which you and I can tie ourselves off to. So that when we slip and fall, I love what scripture says, in times of trouble. Not when you get in trouble, if you get in trouble, in times of trouble. Will you come to the throne of God confidently so you can receive what? Judgment? No. Mercy and forgiveness. And Jesus is providing us a way to be connected to God constantly as we're going through our lives. He gives us anchors, truths that we can hold on to. We can remember his past goodness that gives us hope for the future. And what was convicting to me when I was reading this is, for those of us who have been in the faith for a while, we need to be bringing others alongside us. Those who are not where we are and say, hey, don't put your hand there, put it here. Hey, let me grab the rope. I'm going to help you along the way. Who, who are we bringing alongside us? Who are we discipling as Christians? That was a word the Lord put on my heart this week. And what I love about this story of Alex accomplishing it and it being a absolutely wonderful uh, feat It was one of discipline. He talks about how his body is exhausted. You know, he used muscles he didn't know he had. And, and if you're new to the faith, sometimes that's how it is. If, if you're new to the faith, you're, I think I'm doing this right. I'm unsure. You know, this, this muscle that I'm growing in prayer and reading scripture, it's a little bit awkward. Hey, that's, that's okay. You know, I have been where you are. We get to do this in a community. Faith isn't something that is done alone. And so if you're here today and you're struggling in some area of your life where, man, you feel like you don't have an anchor, like you're about to slip and fall, we are here for you. And so don't hesitate to reach out to us. One of the other ways in which Jesus is a better high priest is because he gives us full access to God. Because remember, the Old Testament way of doing it was there was one man that you went to that one day a year would enter into the presence of God. But now, on this side of religious history, we have all access to God through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, that you and I can be in right relationship with him, because he has made the way for us. He is the mediator in which we're able to connect. It reminded me, when I was uh, younger, I had a friend whose dad uh, was in corporate America, and he would get all these concert tickets and sports packages and all that. And if you know me well, I love exclusivity. Mm, Love it. And he is inviting me to a Florida Panthers hockey game. We got VIP tickets in the box seat, VIP parking, all the food you could want. You know, the nachos were like the cheeses and cheese. So good. And I remember being a teenager, we're going and just feeling like a prince. You know, I mean, just amazing. But it kind of dawned on me this week when I was reminiscing about this that we didn't have to do that. We didn't have to use his kind of VIP tickets, right? We could have bought the nosebleeds, we could have paid $14 for the nachos, and the whole deal. And really, that's how it is with God. We have this all-access pass to God where we can be connected with him 24-7, no matter where we are, no longer in the temple. I mean, we have access to his word whenever we want We have this all-access pass to the presence of God. If If you were to tell that to the Israelites 2,000 years ago, they would have laughed in your face. But we have the privilege of having access to Christ because Jesus is a better high priest who has made a way for us, who has carved a path for you and for me in his humanity and in his divinity. The other way in which Jesus is a better high priest, the writer of Hebrews says, he is God and he is up in heaven. Because remember, the Old Testament high priest, he was an imperfect human here on earth, entering the presence of God once a year. But now you and I worship someone who is seated at the right hand of the Father, who is advocating for you and for me. First Timothy 2, 5-6, through six, it says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself up as a ransom for all. I'd like to invite the band up as we close. Jesus is the one who has carved the path for you and I, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, who has lived a perfect and sinless life so that way he could take our place for you and for me. We have this all-access path to God. We're no longer we going through imperfect humans, but you and I can hear the voice of God. You don't have to be professional. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to go to seminary. He is speaking To you, And the question is, will we accept his invitation? He is knocking at the door. Will we open it? Are we going to try and go free solo? Or are we going to team up with someone else, with this community of hope that can come alongside us and help us in our times of need? Would you pray with me? Lord God, I am so grateful that you have provided a way. That Lord, when I face troubles, and God, they come, I rely on you. I rely on your strength and your wisdom because God, I am not enough. But Lord, you are more than enough. God, thank you that you pursue us. Lord, thank you that you are relentless in your love and your forgiveness, that you have come first. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters out there in the areas in their life in which they are unsure, they're unsteady, their grip is slipping. Lord, would they fall into your arms? Would they not do it themselves? But Lord, would they come into Christian community when they know what it is to be in your arms. God, comfort them. Give them a word. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. Lord, would we leave this place knowing that you go before us. Lord, that you have made a way. Lord, the only way. God, would we seek you this week? Would we hear your voice? Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next week.